Hello and welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, the show where three brothers born in three different decades come together to discuss our one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, joined today by my brother, Christian Lewis. Today, we're interviewing Will Marsh, the founder, singer, and songwriter for the indie rock band Gold Connections. Fans of the show may remember our previous two interviews with Will back in 2017 and 2018, where we discussed his self-titled EP and debut album, Popular Fiction. We're thrilled for Will to return to the podcast today to discuss his new EP, Ammunition, and how life as a musician has changed in the wild ride of 2020. You can pre-order Ammunition today and get some exclusive Gold Connections merch by following the Bandcamp link in the episode description for today's show. Thank you for uh, for getting on the pod today. Um, we're really excited to hear about the uh, the new EP and and some of the music that um, that you've been making lately. Obviously, you were you were actually one of our uh, very early guests on on this podcast, um, and uh, mm-hmm. we've been a, a, a big fans over here for for a long time. So, um, do you want to just uh, just like drop the name of uh, of the EP and and the release date? Yeah, well, thanks. It's good to be back on the pod. I think this is my third time. It is. Right? This is like boyhood. We're just going to keep yeah, monitoring exactly. year over year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm like 14 in that movie <laughs> mm-hmm. right now. Um, but yeah, that, uh, the EP is called Ammunition, and it's coming out on uh, November 16th. Awesome. We're really excited. And, yeah. Yeah. And we've we've had uh, we've had the chance to to preview it and, and give it a listen and and um, yeah we're we're really pumped uh, pumped for this to, to get out to the world um, and a couple of the singles and and videos are uh, are up now actually um, so we uh, we definitely mm-hmm. encourage everybody to check it out stick figures and ammunition yeah that's right so I actually uh, you know was gonna jump to the the immediate question which is. Uh, which song on green? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, the whole album. Whole album going the whole time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. We had to play it three times. No. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to go into it. Yeah, that's I, not I've said same. enough. That's a, it's worth <laughs> but it does seem... Hey, you wrote, you wrote the song a, about it. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How have you changed, though, as a writer, do you think, over the past, you know, several years? Uh, this seems, you know, a lot of humor and, and sort of uh, wry wisdom uh, from the first two tracks we've heard. How, how have I changed? Yeah, how do you think, sort of, do you feel like it, you're evolving into a different sort of type of songwriting, or are you kind of, you know, improving on, you know, what you started? Um, I mean, I think with rye um, humor wisdom or something I mean I'm getting older and I, I'd like to think I'm getting you know I mean I've had a lot of experience in the past I mean you know my whole life that's the whole thing but um, definitely been I think getting to understand like myself a little bit more in terms of just like where I fit into the world and like what I'm what like art means to me and what I can like realistically uh, do or like how to center myself as an artist I think all that stuff really has started to kind of kick in and like inform the way I make music and write music um, and with with stick figures like the whole the con the sort of like uh, concept was or the formal concept I guess was to write a song that was like a series of like punchlines 
Mm-hmm. Um, just like a bunch of jokes, kind of like uh, all strung together um, to tell, you know, a pretty like dark story or, you know, just like darkness and light, you know, just playing with, mm-hmm. bo- with both of those things. Yeah. I, I um, you know, personally, I, I, uh, I hear a lot of um, one of my musical idols in this, which is uh, Stephen Malkmus. And okay, yeah. was wondering if, if that was just something in the water in Charlottesville. Um. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I think everyone, or not everyone, but it seems like everyone loves pavement. Maybe that's just like the world I live in. But um, I, think, I think the sort of the vibrations of uh, university circle and sort of that specific, you know, Square mile in Charlottesville, where I grew up, which is where like Stephen Malkmus went to, you know, went to college, and like all those people. I think there's probably something in the air, like, um, yeah, that that I can't really define, but um, might have something to do with it. It's it's like the you know the mountains or something. It's an interesting question. I mean, I, I know Wyndham, you you've talked a lot about this too in the context of like Western Massachusetts when when you were in school. I mean, it, it really does seem like shape has uh, like a place has the ability to to really sort of shape a sound. Um, and uh, and you know, I, I think that can be true even over over a couple of decades. So you may sort of be inheriting some of the musical tradition here of of, of that part of the world for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think with with Charlottesville, like just this came to mind, like this, like uh, very like uh, at least the part of town where I grew up is very you know overeducated. I mean, that's such a pretentious thing to say. Like, I just got a it's a college town. It's not that, but it goes with the territory. uh, (laughs) Yeah, but like you know, it's this college. It's a college town, and like you know, people, you know, like there's sort of like this. uh, like intellectual air to it, but also like it's just like college kids like uh, skateboarding or like playing beer pong or um, you know experimenting with drugs or something. Like all that's kind of happening, and I think that's definitely what like Stephen Malkmus was talking about. And yeah. I think I kind of I I feel that too. I think there's a level levity to the intellectualism, you know, the, uh, you know, I, I, it was uh, unfortunate, um, you know, with the passing of Dave, David Berman, but it did, uh, spawn a few articles about that one, the red house, which is sort of legendary. Um, yeah. do you, do you know much about that or, or do you want me to, is that on 14th street? Yeah. It's the place where, uh, I think Malcolmus and Dave Berman and James and James McNew from, Yola Tango either you know lived or hung out at various points, and and that's a lot of indie rock star power for one house. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it's kind of yeah, it seems kind of incumbent on the on the town and the scene, I guess. What, tell us about what the sort of scene is now, and I don't mean to keep harping on Charlottesville, but it, it's it is my hometown. Um, yeah. But also in Richmond, like what's the what what's the sort of um, on a in in a perfect world where there is no COVID, what's the scene uh-huh. like? And then we'll get into the yeah scene I think as with, it is. I think with Charlottesville, it's like um, very sort of uh, fractured music scene. I don't mean that in a in like a antagonistic way or anything, but like I feel like there's a little indie scene and there's like a there's like a bluegrass scene and like a jam band thing and um, that's kind of how that's kind of the conclusion that I've come to is that like you know they're like you know a few hundred people who like the kind of music that we make in Charlottesville and then you know so we play at the southern and like a few hundred people come which is great but um it doesn't feel like there's any one like unified thing that could like I don't know mobilize like you know thousands and thousands of people (laughs) to buy our records. <laughs> yeah, Rich, Richmond had a kind of an interesting history, too, where, um, I, you know, I'm going on memory, but, you know, sort of like Sparkle Horse was out of Richmond, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, uh, the guys in Camper Van Beethoven relocated to Richmond and started Cracker. Um, mm-hmm. Is that still a pretty, um, you know, sort of diverse and thriving scene? Yeah, for sure. Like, it's a, it's a pretty um, big 
music scene in Richmond that I think is is growing and it's it's very like dynamic and very I think uh, competitive and um, there's a lot of in you know industry here there are a lot of labels uh, based in in Richmond so um, yeah it's definitely like the cap the capital of Virginia in terms of like just like the money that's here that mm-hmm. is involved with the music scene. Um, like in Charlottesville, we have Red Light Management, right? Um, and they're like a huge management company. But um, there's less like infrastructure in t- in terms of like record labels and stuff. It's the capital, capital. Yeah. Where you go? You got money. I can't believe that we, we managed to drop uh, Cracker before mentioning Guar, by the way, um, which uh, which oh, seems it seems like a minor crime, but um, and uh, you know, yeah, uh, certainly certainly grew up. You know, I think like living in, in Northern Virginia growing up, it was like, we could really see the, the sort of vibrancy of, of like, um, the Richmond scene because, you know, folks were always passing through, through DC and, and Baltimore, um, where I lived for a while after that. Uh, and it does, it, 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 it really does have like, uh, a, a, a sort of up and coming like cultural energy. I mean, it did 10, 10, 10 years ago, I should say. So I, I, th- I feel like it's it's a city that just sort of has a, uh, it's been attracting more and more talent and, and you know, you use the word sort of competitive to describe it, I think, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Um, is it, uh, uh, how, how, how do you think, you know, like dive into that a little bit more. What, what exactly did you mean when you said that? Uh, that's just, that's just like uh, kind of been my experience. I think because there's so many, so many bands and like, um, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to to succeed, and there are a lot of bands, and uh, and I don't know, they're just like, a, I think there are a lot more young people in Richmond, like, way, way more than Charlottesville, so there's just, like, more young people shit going on. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> sort of, like, I'm not, I'm not mad or anything, but, you know, just, like, more, like, clicks and more like sort of subgroups and um and in Charlottesville it's like they're like uh a, a few a few people who like music and are in bands um and so we all kind of seem to hang out together I haven't had any any beef <laughs> in Charlottesville <laughs> yeah I was going to say that's a different story but I'm <laughs> yeah, not going to exactly. go into that I was going to say, do you want to give a shout-out to any no. of your competitors, or are you going to keep the competitive advantage? Um, I'm going to be sneaky about it <laughs> from now on. Nice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who we end up going to war with on this podcast as a result of, uh, as a result of this interview, uh, inadvertently. So. Yeah. Um, well, so when the documentary is made. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We've got to start some trouble somehow, you know? So I'd love to hear, like, what, what have you, I mean, what have you been listening to while you were, uh, while you were recording and, and, you know, while you were, while you were writing these songs? I guess the first question is really, you know, when did you write these songs and, uh, and sort of over what period of time and, and, you know, where were you in your life? Yeah, um, I started writing the, these songs um, in 2017. Like, the first, the oldest song on this EP I wrote in the summer of 2017. Actually, no. No, I wrote one of these in 2016. So it's kind of, you know, I've been releasing music since then, and even new music. Um, but like like A Shadow, that was a four-track EP. Um, and I'd written some of those songs like around the same time. I'd written, written uh, the Ammunition, a few of the Ammunition songs. But yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's been a while. But... Um, so the set the part two of that question was what what were you listening to when you were recording this what what's what sort of yeah. um, inspired you or what sort of flowed through your veins while this was going on? Um, well, when I recorded the EP, I was like, um, my girlfriend made me like a mixtape for my birthday, which is in January, and we recorded it then. So I was just listening to that in my car, like on the way to on the way to work. Uh, yeah, on, yeah, on the way to work, the studio, doing the work. Um, but yeah, I think like on, on there, on that mixtape was like, uh, Kate LeBon, mm. um, and like always, and there's some Silver Jews on there, um, and like SZA and, uh, 
like there's also some like emo emo music that I don't listen to that was on there that um I spent a lot of time with. Um I feel like say anything may have been maybe on there. Mm-hmm. Um but I was also like listening to just sort of on my own. I think I was listening to like the Clash and kind of just the same music that I'm always listening to was also going on. Was that uh, you? Sound, you seem to uh, you know have a fair amount of um, sort of '80s '90s references, or you know going back to the Clash the '70s. Yeah. Are, is that a uh, function of having grown up around that kind of music? Are your folks uh, big fans? Or yeah, like um, I think that's yeah. It's kind of it's funny like. You know, I've been running my own publicity for this EP um, and sort of, like, sending it out to blogs and stuff. And, um, you know, one response that... Or overwhelming response is, like, this is... It sounds like 90s music, which I guess that's true, but I kind of, like, forgot about. I kind of forgot that. Or it just, like, didn't really register with me because it just sounds like music to me, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe that just means that I'm so, you know... I don't know, engulfed in the in a certain sound, but to me it's just like verses and choruses, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did grow up in the '90s, and you know, um, listening to like you know Everclear, I kind of go on about them. But you know, so much for the Afterglow came out in 1997, and that was on the radio pretty much nonstop when I was a kid. I so like that kind of music, like really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, y'all know what I'm talking yeah. about. You, right? Yeah, but um, you know, I did, I wasn't mad about it. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, but, I was gonna um, say, they're, they're, you know, we uh, a friend of the podcast, uh, Sean Slade, who's a producer. I don't know if you're familiar with his, um, you know, catalog, but he uh, they owned a, a recording studio up here in Boston called Fort Apache. Um, you know, where Dinosaur and Pixies and all those bands, but and it sounds like your music would be right at home alongside oh, that, you know, with Lemonheads and, yeah. and people like that. Yeah, I definitely, I kind of, later I started listening to the more, like, prestigious uh, 90s music, like Pavement and, like, Dinosaur Jr., and I guess, like, late 80s stuff, too, like Pixies and... Um, <laughs> but that sounds like a cool studio. Wouldn't have been I. Yeah, it was... Uh, Pretty grim. Wouldn't and I always <laughs> yeah. talk about this? I think, like, uh, as, as someone else who grew up in Virginia in the 90s, I, th- I think, um, you know, he, he was sort of spoiled by the, as you, as you I think, very, uh, like, aptly put it, the sort of prestigious music of the 1990s. It's like, you grew up listening to radio in Virginia in the 90s. Like, it's, you know, it's it's an awful lot of lit and, uh, and, and like, Offspring and, and Everclear, as you said. So it's like you, you sort of learn to love it. It just becomes part of the... Um, you know, part of part of the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, Everclear is prestige '90s music, and I, I didn't mean to differentiate. And I, I didn't that. mean to lump them with the Offspring. So that's <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I've I've never really listened to Offspring, but there's there's our beef right there. We got it. <laughs> that's yeah. Um, but no. I did. I grew up also like living near Plan Nine Records, which mm-hmm. used to be on the corner. Um, in Charlottesville, so like, um, yes, I did. would walk. I would walk there, you know, walk the dog there, and buy UCDs like all the time. Um, so that that's kind of, and and sort of like discovering music on my own that way that I wasn't really like supposed to listen to or like didn't really know if I was allowed to listen to it. Like you know, like Jane's Addiction and stuff like seeing, you know, you know, what I'm talking about with those <laughs> album covers. Yeah, yeah. With the I, naked ladies on them immediately. Yeah, the, the, one, the, the ones with the Tipper Gore stamp of approval. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The stuff that just pulls you right in because it looks like something you shouldn't be listening to, basically, like with no with no other knowledge of like what what's actually inside this. Like you just you you want a piece, uh, a piece of. Yeah, that. well, I was a little bit scared. I was a little bit scared to be honest, but uh, you know, so, maybe that's it's that that uh, fear desire yeah. kind of. Uh, thing happening. Absolutely. Walk to the store for your nicotine vapor was a fast trip and I am willing and able 
I'm a clown My mom said to stay off your street now We just keep the blinds down Let the love spin round and round Round and round Oh, grab a gun, baby, oh Baby, grab a gun So switching switching gears a little bit, what's um, you know I mean the I know my the last show I attended was on March thirteenth. Um, how is this? How how is this? How have you been enjoying life? coronavirus? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not a that's not a bad way of putting it because you know um, I I miss touring and. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't know when I'm going to tour again or perform, you know. Um, but it's also opened up other possibilities. Like, I have, you know, I have, like, a job right now that's, you know, more, a little bit more structured than, like, the landscaping work I've done before. And, um, and I've, I feel like I have more time to focus on music videos and, and like t-shirt designs and um, I don't know, those, it's, it's definitely opened up other opportunities for me. Um, and, you know, I, I moved to Richmond in this, in this period of time. Um, but yeah, definitely not touring. Do, do you think, I mean, has it changed your relationship with sort of how, has it changed how you listen to music at all? I mean, I, I think, you know, something we've talked about is just, it throws your it it just changes your schedule so much right it just transforms like so many parts yeah. of your life um it's hard i don't i don't think so no i i you know i still um maybe i'm taking like was taking even more walks um since covid which is you know i just like listen to music and and walk around um then i don't think it's maybe it's i think it could have changed the way that I listen to um, sort of like current music, like in the sense that, you know, with COVID, um, the possibilities of um, like commercial success or like this sort of like competitiveness that's very uh, built into, well, just the music business is kind of like, doesn't really make sense anymore um, because and I, I feel like it, things are getting a little bit more like art for its own sakey, you know, which is um, kind of a relief, you know. Um, Let's do down. And maybe I can just like listen to music by by people who uh, you know could could think you know I'm in competition with. But I actually, maybe I just like enjoy listening to new music more now. Short answer. Um, yeah, that's an interesting. Because it's just like the world is so different now that like why would I even care about that stuff right now? And there's the the dynamic maybe of uh, I mean we all we all sort of have the same you know com common enemy in the environment right? It's like in particular I think yeah. uh, I think in in you know in the music scene it's like all of these different experiences that people are having are, you know, sort of collapse in a little bit. And it's like everybody's sort of going through something, at least like, you know, there, there are similar, similar pieces of it. There's a common thread. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of like, um, the first will be last, you know, <laughs> like my, uh, my, my small income isn't based on touring or anything. Like I, you know, I did, I worked um, as a gardener for, for three years. And so I'm not having the kind of crisis that, you know, big touring acts are currently having. So I can just kind of keep coasting and doing my own thing. And I feel like that's, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want to like, I'm not, uh, I'm not happy that other people are suffering because of this. However, it is, I don't know, it kind of changes, 
it kind of changes the way you look at a lot of stuff. I think it's a measure of your magnanimity that you were able to uh, to make Metallica sound like a pitiful band at this particular juncture in time. But uh, but that's <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're, where were you? you're totally right though. Sucks to suck. Yeah. <laughs> where were you in the cycle when this when this all came down? I mean, were you out on the road at the time, or you had just released new music in March, right? Um, in March, I I just finished recording the EP when it all went down. And I was actually in Colombia when, um, like, the global economy crashed and everything like that um, for um, my brother's wedding. He, he married um, a, a Colombian woman, or, you know, she's, she grew up uh, in America, or she moved here when she was 13. But, um, yeah, I was in Colombia, so it was pretty crazy. We weren't really sure if we were going to, like, get back to the U.S. or anything like that, because, like, borders were shutting down. Um, so that's where I was. Do you wish you were back there today? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I would have been glad in some... I'm, I'm glad I'm back, but um, I want to go back to, to Bogota. But, I mean, did, did you have a, a tour awesome. that was... That was scheduled at the at the time when it came down, or were you kind of a free agent? Yeah, we had yeah we had um, some tour plans. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna tour uh, pretty yeah early spring through the summer, and you know we kind of we kind of just got um, like a booking agent, and so that kind of stuff was kind of coming together for the first time. Um, and yeah, but it doesn't sound like you feel bereft by this as much as some other folks we've talked to. Not, I mean, not really. I gotta be honest. Like, I think I was ready for a little break from just the whole planning. Like, planning a tour is like really, really hard. It's just like really stressful, and I, you know, you know, losing money. For sure, like we definitely like saved money by not touring. I mean, touring is just like an investment for us, mm-hmm. and financially. Um, so, I mean, it was in in one sense, it was just like fewer stuff I had to like figure out, which is I'll take that. But you know, it's also I also was in quarantine, um, you know, processing, you know, like. Uh, am I ever going to go on tour again? Like, I still don't know. I really don't know. I don't think anyone does. And that's, that's uh, a difficult thing to process. Um, so I definitely have felt it on, like, a deep level. But I, am, uh, I don't miss planning these, like, you know, these tours. Just, like, getting the schedule together and, like, you know, getting the, the vehicle and everything. I think uh, I think tour planning and booking was um, the like final proof I needed that I am shit at logistics uh, and organization. <laughs> um, it was like yeah. one of the hardest things I've I've, uh, I've you know, and it's it's just I, I don't understand. It, I'm still just just amazed by anybody who can who can do that um, in addition to playing the shows, in addition to to writing the music. I mean, it just seems like. Um, uh, it, it's it's you know it's really a, a pretty pretty hectic uh, hectic ordeal. So um, that's it's pretty remarkable. And I, I think you know what makes it even even crazier is just is just how many people uh, how many people do it exactly that way. You know, it's it's you're totally responsible for um, uh, for the tour top to bottom. So you you mentioned like you know as as you're sort of thinking about how. How music may change, really, um, and and sort of you know if, if live music has always been sort of a, a staple of um, or, or part of the experience, and sort of it, it you know creates a community, it creates uh, uh, creates a sort of opportunity to to interact directly with with the people who are listening to you. Um, you know, how else does that change the way you think about writing at all? I mean, beyond maybe just the subject, or um, I don't think it changes the way. I- I write songs, but it definitely, I'm, I mean, I definitely feel the the difference um, when releasing music. Like, I don't, all I really have when I put out, you know, 
I just put out these two singles. I put out another single over the summer. Um, all I really have is like, um, you know, like Instagram likes or, you know, I, I can track like how many plays I get on Spotify or, you know, YouTube comments once in a while. Um, and that's like, you know, that's a pretty impoverished way of interacting with your audience. And I definitely feel that. And I, and I miss, um, you know, this whole part of the equation when you put out music is like, um, well, just sharing it with, sharing it with people and, and just like having that physical proximity to people where you can kind of, you can feel that they appreciate it, you know, like, um, that's a big part of it is like, you know, when you're playing a new song for people or playing anything for people, you, you know, as an artist, there's some, a little artist psychology for you. It's like, I know, I know that it, uh, it means something to somebody and it's a lot harder to feel that in when you just have numbers, you know, uh, as, as, as host of a podcast, um, yes, you know, I, I think uh, I, I think yeah. that's you know that what what really struck me about hearing that is is your that's absolutely right. I mean, I think it's it's really difficult, and even with like, <clears throat> even with analytics, whatever else, like just just sort of sending something off into the ether and not really feeling like you have uh, have a great sense of sort of how it's landing can can be um, is just very different, uh, which is why we prefer to yeah. play stadiums. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's like I kind of, you know, released, uh, you know, some music last week and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, hap- I'm super glad to be sharing with people and, you know, doing stuff like podcasts is really, really fun for me and, and meaningful and doing, you know, basically my interactions are more with um, like writers or podcasters or um, the, the media. <laughs> You, y'all are the media. No, we're the media. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can see Christian's like, got on the Zoom call. Christian's got his like PBS NewsHour backdrop <laughs> behind him. Yeah. No, it's like the people I hang out with are like you all, which is great. But it's it's interesting. It just kind of dawned on me like last week. Like, um, I don't have like an audience. Like my audience are like you know people who are interviewing me, and. Um, that's different, you know. You're doing a great job so far. Thanks. Thanks. No, it was we were joking when we got when we first came on that that uh, this is the third time Will's been on the show and that, that we're going to wind up doing the sort of like, you know, 42 up or uh or boyhood version of his life and music with a series of podcast interviews uh over the course of the next 35 years. So, yes. You just hear my voice changing mm-hmm. or <laughs> Yeah, I think this is, oh, this is the part where he goes off to college and, you know. <laughs> yes. Um, I, 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 Who's Ethan Hawke? You can. Who's Ethan Hawke in this situation? Uh, I think Jeremy. Yeah. The, the brother who's not with us today. Okay. The absent father. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man, that was such a good movie. Um, that's like one of my, one of my favorites of the last decade. Has that, uh. What have you uh, What have you watched over the course of uh, of you know the last few months? Like, have have you been getting into anything in particular? Yeah. Um, there's this movie called um, I think it's called Clean. Um, with um, Julianne Moore. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. Safe. Uh, safe. Safe. Right. Yeah. The, and I the saw, Todd Haynes movie. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Um, you know in in sort of quarantine, I guess. Um, you know, or just like the world we live in. And yeah, it's just like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. It's, and also one of the most instructional videos for COVID, sort of stopping the spread of COVID-19. Which is just go into like uh, an isolation, isolation chamber and like uh, in a cult setting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Basically. That's the way to do it. Or become so afraid of all of your household products that you're not that you never go outside again. Yeah, it's the fumes. <laughs> I feel it. Um, but I'm also watching. Um, I'm in the middle of Scanners by Cronen- David Cronenberg. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying that. Well, yeah, that's uh, 
this is where the the sort of multi generational portion of the podcast comes out because I actually saw that in the theater. <laughs> how to how to make you feel? In the um, at the time, I think it was like thir- twelve or thirteen. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> do you I do you, uh, identify with with like the rogue um, scanner guy who blew up that guy's head? <laughs> Uh, I remember more of the head blowing up. This is a, this is a very uh, sort of delicate age, uh, your preteen years. So um, I don't have the, uh, the 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 gift of recency that that you have been given with this movie. I, I do think the first uh, the last time I saw it was the time I saw it in the theater. So I, you'd have to I'd have to have a longer conversation to get up yeah. to speed on scanners. But, but you have had a lifelong yeah. uh, fear of having your head blown up. Yeah, it's um, it, it's pretty freaky at the time. That was that was state of the art uh, special effects, by the way. So, I mean, that movie was was like billed as a special effects. Uh, um, that and uh, this is like it's like a watermelon with like a top hat or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did the trick. I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, personally. So yeah, well, it, I mean, it is a there is that sort of it's it is strange. I don't know if if you know, you're falling into the same thing, but uh, there is a, um, what are you watching has become like the most crucial societal question of the past, you know, nine months. Yeah. I mean, another thing that uh, was kind of interesting was ended up watching like the great pottery, English pottery show showdown. It's like a pottery show. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, that sounds. Yeah. Um, oh, it's real. Yeah, yeah. No, it's real. <laughs> and um, yeah, I watched it this weekend. Yeah, with my girlfriend who put it on, and like, I was like deeply ambivalent about about it the whole time. Like, I just wasn't sure if I hated it or <laughs> if like if I liked it or. It was weird. It sounds like a complicated weird, relationship. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think this is this is like uh, one of my. I, I, I alternate between finding like the the wider universe of of you know HGTV and Food Network and and like I, I find these things incredibly comforting at times. Partly because it's just like it it it's done. It's perfectly like calibrated to eliminate like any controversy or conflict. That might yeah. be like other than like that, which is perfectly staged between the eighteen and like twenty two minute marks. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just like it's sort of a a white noise effect, I guess. Um, but but then when I like reflect on it as as a sort of like phenomenon, like you know, in society, I think oh maybe it's not great that we're uh, it's sort of tranquilizing. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think with this pottery show, it struck me as incredibly like wholesome and everyone the lighting was really nice and it was very very uncontroversial um but in like a in a bbc way and it was like it kind of watching it i thought it this might be what like communist tv is like or like it could have been like a soviet like an early soviet movie where they're just like a different it seems like it was oriented around a different like ideology or something um, like, like more, like I don't know, more maybe more, uh, less uh, uh, individualistic or something. Um, but it, yeah, it seemed like it seemed like a show from a different universe. It like it was sent to tranquilize an entire nation. Um, yeah, or just sort of you know reflect. I mean, I, I guess, uh, but you know, reflect like reflect these principles that don't really exist in in our society as much the the principle the principles being like a a sort of commitment to to craft and like it's just i'm i'm excellent i'm completely guessing uh as to what the premise of the show is i I should i should probably make it clear if i haven't the title's pretty mysterious yeah Yeah. well is it like a showdown is it like bobby flay's like pottery like knife fight (laughs) Or is it? <laughs> um, it it is a competition. It's like they kind of like it, it was very campy, and it it almost like it was like the hosts like tried to be mean, but they did it in like a really funny way. Like they just like couldn't really do it, 
And the only times that, like, the, like, judges were mean, it was, like, they genuinely wanted, they saw potential in these people and wanted that to come out and wanted them to do better, to make pottery better. So nurturing um, on television. That, that they should, should be, yeah, yeah. They, they need Simon yeah. Cowell, obviously, um, to, to come in and just <laughs> fucking shame people about their... Um, well, well uh, there's also a moment when this one person who wasn't, who was kind of falling behind ended up like doing super well and like doing like a basically a perfect job on this one piece and the host literally started crying and he was like getting really really emotional and that that kind of blew my mind these are these are uh, professionals or they are uh, like people who are brought on the show and taught to um, make various pottery wear <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. I think I don't know. I don't know what the what the industry's like. That's that's a reasonable answer. <laughs> we, we can um well, I I think you've certainly wet my appetite for uh the the great British pottery excursion. Um there's also like a a slightly ad-libs quality to like every single one of these show titles. Um <laughs> it's sort of like yeah, some, some yeah. kind of, you know, substitutable noun. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm psyched yeah. to see this one, though. Um, was it, it uh, and so, did, did, but did you find it, like, relaxing? Did you, were you able to meditate on sort of the, the you, you mentioned, you know, how sort of exp- the development of expertise as being, like, part of the, the sort of conceit of the show, uh, did you find this rewarding? I think so. Yeah, I think um, rewarding, and I felt like it was an edifying show. And I think that's kind of what I meant about it being, you know, maybe like, um, maybe communist or something. Not, not that communism always has to be edifying, but like the sort of values in the, in the sort of production seem a little bit different than like Hell's Kitchen or something. Mm-hmm. And um, That's... yeah, I found I found that yeah this sort of commitment to excellence and um, and and just sort of watching them like you know create something that I hadn't really seen before like I hadn't seen really seen people make pot like, pottery on like you know they're going through and making like twenty mugs in like five minutes and that was just pretty amazing to watch like how do they do it that fast you know it's. It's an interesting observation that actually, I, like, I mean, we and and you know, we don't have to spend the entire episode talking about the the British pottery show, but but I think um, I've I've heard it said before of Britain and uh, and and then also of, of Japanese culture that like there's something um, about sort of very detail oriented sort of methodical like artisanal. Um, uh, you know the the act of production itself and like and and sort of perfecting um a process is uh is is really um sort of emblematic of of those cultures in in some way um and perhaps this is an extension of that yeah yeah in the the sense that these contestants are creating are part of like uh almost every side of the the process of of creating this item um, you know, they're not just making the handles and it's not like a, a factory line situation, but they're, you know, taking the clay and like, and beating the, you know, the, the excess air out of it and, you know, like spreading it around and then like wetting it and, and shaping it and then, um, designing it or, you know, uh, drawing patterns on it. Um, yeah, it's very, you love to see it. A metaphor so for whose for job is it to neatly tie this allegory back to the EP that you're releasing um, I, in the, in a couple of weeks? I, I think I, I think I just stuck the landing there when I'm actually yeah, yeah did you? Yes. Yeah, you, excellent news. Uh, but thank you for leading the way, uh, Will. I think um, I was I was getting a little lost in the, the wide world of pottery. Uh, yeah. So so carefully, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the the sort of the craftsmanship element, is there any particular process, like, end-to-end, um, you know, writing the lyrics, uh, sort of 
orchestrating and, and arranging um, the different songs that, you know, what's, what's your favorite part of that? Does it change from song to song? You, let me just uh, double on that one. You produced this, correct, this one? Yeah. Okay. So you get a longer list of chores on this, on this particular project. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think um, record, recording it is, is my favorite part. Um, and yeah, just like this, you know, this feeling of, um, possibility and, and, you know, shaping, you know, shaping it out of raw clay (laughs) to go back to pottery. It's like entering this, yeah, entering this space where you can like, you know, manipulate Mm -hmm. sound, um, you know, mixing process. I also love the mixing process and it's very tied into it. Um, but yeah, you know, this sort of, this extremely creative space, or, you know, uh, purely creative space, that's the, that's the best part. Do you see yourself producing uh, other artists in the coming, you know, in the near future? Um, I would like to, um, you know, maybe have a few more of my own releases under my belt, but um, I, I know that's, like, a good a good way to you know make uh music or art you know a bigger part of my income or one's income like a bigger piece of the pie is like getting into producing so i would definitely be into that um yeah i think i think that could be i think that could be cool as i get older nice well i think we're gonna probably uh free you from from this uh this prison of, of uh, inquiry. But um, I think, uh, like I said, we will uh, look forward to, uh, A, we look forward to the, in all honesty, really look forward to uh, the EP release because we love your stuff. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, look forward to sharing the, the word on this. But, um, and then also having you back on next year so that we can chart your growth uh, with little yeah. pencil marks on the, on the door frame here. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. Um, and, and it's great talking about, um, you know, pottery, mostly. Uh, I'm glad you could, you could, uh, I'm glad we were helpful in processing um, this entire episode. Yeah, I'm still, still got a lot of work to do on that, but. Um, Baby steps. Yeah, how's the podcast going? Like, how, not this particular episode, but like, how's the show? It's you know we're we're still enjoying it a lot. Um, you know, our circumstances, um, all all three of us have changed. Um, you know, over the course of the year, Christians in school, uh, Jeremy's um, moved, and um, but you know, it's a sort of it's a constant that that you know we do this every, and this was always my vision for it when we started was that, you know, I have these two brothers, one's 10 years younger, one's 20 years younger, and we all love music. So it's kind of a, you know, there's like this strange relationship you have given your age to certain, you know, certain things, certain bands or certain activities. And, um, you know, it, it, it has continued, you know, to evolve as, as our lives have changed. Christian has, has um, you know, been pretty underwater with uh, all of his academic um, endeavors. And uh, I've had the opposite um, issue of, of, you know, where my, my industry kind of shut down. So, um, you know, it's a, weird, it's a weird time and everybody's had, had a sort of different experience with it. Yeah. I'm glad you, glad you all have each other and, and have this fun way of, of making, um, making stuff happen together in a creative way. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. And, um, yeah, we'll look forward to putting, I think we're dropping this on uh, the 12th, so hopefully that'll give people some runway to, uh, to pick up your record. Sweet. Yeah. It was great, great talking to you. Um, is there any, uh, uh, any particular, um, like, song you'd like us to feature in the, uh, in, in the outro or, or in the break if, if you want to sort of pull something out for us? Um, how many, like, how many songs do I get? 
for for the for the episode? I think we'll do. For how many songs would you like to we'll, play? We'll probably One find two. two. I think, and uh, it's an hour. I mean, we we have a little bit of flexibility here, but I think it's an hour long, so we'll probably yeah. pick out two spots. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's up to you. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Dealer's choice. Excellent. I will yeah. say, <laughs> and this was uh, Damien, our producer's idea, but. Um, we have this sort of running joke, and uh, but it's actually you know produced a, a, a great document, which is um, we have uh, we call it the fill in the blank four million six hundred and forty thousand ten best songs of all time, which is any song you hear when you're drunk in a bar, and you're like, oh my god, this is one of the ten best songs oh, ever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're yeah. gonna because you're the first three time guest, we're gonna let you put one on. Um, hmm. I mean, cigarettes and alcohol comes to mind. Sweet Oasis. Awesome. Yeah. Um. But, yep. Yep. That's it. That was. That was a. Uh, that, I, I like how quickly you answered that. Like, like you know, not like you've been waiting to be asked that very specific question for for years at this point. But great. Awesome. Consider it done. Well, thanks very much, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.